I had down for my biggest taxpayer ripoff congressional salaries. <laughs> and they just raised them the other day. There's no reason for a Congress that has such a dismal approval rating to get a raise. But they'll tell you, well, it's been a couple of years, you know. But you guys <laughs> stink. Who the heck does a bad job and gets a raise? Oh, Congress. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. And welcome to show number 84 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today rejoins us from Carroll, Iowa. Vern Beachy, welcome once again to You Are the Guest. Well, thanks, Bill. It's good to be here. Show 84, you're getting up there. I know, I know. Yeah. Getting closer to 1,000 every day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. One step at a time. And I think you were originally on show number three. Wow, yeah, it's been a while ago. Do you know how many podcasts have come and gone since then? Um, how many stars are in the sky? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Usually it's just hit and miss, oh yeah, we'll do a podcast for maybe three or four times, and that's about it. You never hear them again, so you're long in the tooth. <laughs> Is it the same for blogs, too? Do you see a lot of blogs kind of fade in and I'm out? I'm sure it is. I, yeah, yes, it is. People, you know, start off with a bang. Yeah, we're going to do this and, and going to do that. And they do it for a while, and then they lose interest or, you know, lose, I don't know, things to say and go on to other things. But, yeah, absolutely, you see that with blogs. You know, they're uh, like podcasts. There are a lot of blogs out there and a lot of podcasts, but few good ones. So you just kind of have to pick and choose. And, you know, with 84 on yours, you're in the latter category and the good ones, that is, not the flash in the pan type. 84 in two years. In two years, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's more the time than, than the episodes for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's true. And I went into this with a five-year plan, so I'm looking at this as two years down, three to go. Okay, okay. Well, Sounds good. I wonder what it'll be like in three years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. my mind is just boggled when I look back at how I thought it would be two years ago. Uh-huh. And then you do a Google search for You Are the Guest, and you just mm -hmm. see pages and pages and pages yeah. and pages, and it's like, did I do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Vern, for our new listeners who haven't heard you before, would you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, my name is Vern Beachy, and I uh, used to be in radio. As a matter of fact, Bill, you gave me my first job in radio, which surprised me, actually, that you hired me because I had no experience, but... Spent 17 years in radio 
as a news director and did a little bit of TV in there behind the scenes as an assignment editor, but mainly radio, 17 years. And uh, I got out of it in August of 99 when I was working in Albuquerque, not by my choice, but um, a year before that I was diagnosed with MS and I got to where I couldn't work anymore, so I had to retire, as they say, after 17 years. But uh, I do a blog. Um, I write on it virtually every day. And you can find that on, on my webpage at vernbeachy.com. And, and I'm doing some writing now and working on a book proposal. And uh, living in Carroll, Iowa, moved up from Memphis uh, last year after my wife passed away. And, and that's where I'm at now in Carroll, Iowa. And you're here to talk about the news and reviews so far for 2007. So let's go ahead and get into it. What's the biggest news story for 2007 so far? You know, this is this question, you know, you, uh, I, I see this and it kind of stumped me, to be honest, because I thought, well, what's, what, what really stands out in my mind? And yeah, there are a bunch of different stories, but I would say the biggest one uh, so far this year has to be uh, the Duke rape case and the fallout with Nifong and all of the stuff that the prosecutor got into and, and all the ins and outs of that story just because it, it, it showed a lot about what, what the justice system is and should not be. And so I would put the Duke rape case as the top story. It, it may not uh, affect a lot of people, but I thought just because of the justice system in and outs and ins and outs and what it did with Nifong and what it showed he did just made uh, that the top story so far this year. What little story will grow to be a big story later on in 2007? You know, I see a few stories here and there about it, but not much. And I think we'll get more, and just this goes into that question. But the little story that we see is the uh, Democrats' track record since taking over Congress. You see it uh, sprinkled here and there as far as stories, you know, they don't have a good track record. And as a matter of fact, it's pretty abysmal compared to what they were promising before the the elections and what they would do in the first 100 days. They just haven't really gotten there. They they had a lot of blather about it, and they talk a lot about it, but really they haven't done much. And every once in a while you'll see a story talking about the Democrats' lack of action or inaction in other other aspects, but uh, I think you'll see more and more of that um, as we get throughout the, throughout the year. As a follow-up question to that, Congress has an approval rating at an all-time low. So yes. doesn't President Bush. Uh-huh. Why, why aren't people foaming mad almost to a, a riot, if you will, about how bad the government is performing? Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the media. 
because they're not really focused on Congress. Yeah, Congress has a lower approval rating than even President Bush. So, but you see the media focused on Bush approval ratings and, and you know, the Bash Bush stories. You see that a lot. You don't see too much of the Congress and... The media has a lot to do with that, and, you know, if you ask the people, ask anybody on the street about Congress, and they'll give you a pretty low, uh, you know, they don't think too highly of Congress, but you ask them about their congressmen, and they think pretty highly of them. So, you know, you have to weigh that, yeah, yeah, Congress is bad, but my congressman is great. You know, not necessarily the case. So so why do you think there is a disconnect between the two? I think that has a lot to do with the media and how they focus on the president as opposed to Congress, because Congress uh, has a lot more to do about your personal everyday life, I think, and, if, and how it affects your everyday life than the president does, but the president is up on that pedestal, and and he's in the spotlight, and, and he has been for, you know, that's the nature of the job itself, or the position. It's president of the United States, but I think the media has a lot to do with it. They're focused a lot on Bush, and, and they don't necessarily, or a lot of the media doesn't necessarily like Bush, and and they just focus on that. So you see all the bad stories, basically, about the president of the United States and or the office of the president, and few, relatively speaking, of Congress. And Congress is not doing that well, you know, obviously by the polls and by their lack of, okay, we promised we're going to do this, and boy, they're falling short. And speaking about the media, what is the biggest who cares story or personality, and why is it that way? <laughs> Gee, would I be remiss if I said anything besides Paris Hilton? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, absolutely. I mean, give me a break. Yes. You know, and I saw, <laughs> I saw a recent headline that just highlights this. Um, media obsession and, and uh, you know, the inattention of things that really matter. Just the other day they had a headline was, World Awaits Paris Hilton's Return. And I just threw my hands up and I said, yeah, maybe one or two people on the paparazzi staff, but that's about it. You know, world awaits, and that's the media's problem. And they focused on Paris Hilton, and that's a big who cares story. I don't know about you, but I didn't watch Larry King. Oh, I, I didn't care. I have a a new rule, and that is that any media that has a focus on Paris Hilton, I'm uh-huh. just I'm writing them off. I'm saying okay, yeah. from from here on out, unless you're like. ETV or Entertainment Today or TMZ, something that is an entertainment-based publication or channel or blog or whatever, then, okay, I understand that. But when MSNBC starts off with a Paris Hilton story, it's like, okay, you've just jumped off that abyss into this 
media frenzy. And, and let me ask you another question along those lines. Have you ever, in, in any of your conversations with anyone here in Iowa, <laughs> talked about, I wonder what Paris Hilton is doing? Or have you ever had a, a conversation that said, boy, I wonder how she's doing in jail? Absolutely not. I mean, and have you ever been to a coffee shop where that was a topic of conversation? No, and nobody cares. So quit beating no. us over the head with Paris Hilton. Yeah, and and here, let, let me tell you, I'm sure, and you read my blog, I know you do. I had a lot of Paris Hilton stories, but generally I made fun of her when I did that. So... Yeah, okay. I had Paris Hilton stories on my blog, but I was usually making fun of her. And we're doing one right now, so we're we're guilty yeah. as charged, but <laughs> but that's more the media's fault and I I wish that they would just knock it off. Find something else to talk about. There's got to be something else other than some rich woman and her yeah. temper tantrums or whatever. You know, but this is like, uh, you know, the media out there and the media out in Washington, they they have blinders on. The media hub out in Washington, they have blinders on on government and Congress, and, you know, what they do is earth-shattering everywhere, and the media out in the West Coast is is based in Los Angeles, basically. It's the hub there, and they're focused on, okay, Hollywood. Get out of that cocoon, uh Instead of flying over the country, drive and see what people are talking about. Okay, back to things that matter. What's the biggest taxpayer ripoff so far for 2007? You know, and maybe this is a um, focus of where I'm at or, or where we're at, uh, both you and I, Bill, here and I. I think ethanol and E85 is a big taxpayer ripoff. And why? Because, uh, first first of all, E85, everybody's into these alternative fuels, and that's nice. That's fine. Uh, but uh, especially here in Iowa, you know, every pump has ethanol. That's fine. It's about a dime cheaper than the other gasoline. But ethanol is probably one of the biggest or the highest subsidized uh, things out there these days. And E85, people say, okay, let, let's do that. That's 85% ethanol, and generally ethanol at the pump is 10%. And they they push E85, but you have to have your car specially tuned to run E85. And for the consumer, for the direct consumer, you have to buy twice as much E85 because you get half as much gas mileage than you would regularly. Yeah, so my, my brother-in-law was burning that stuff in, in his truck, and it's like, um, so it's a wash, in other words. Yeah, it is, and if you think even more on the subsidies, it's even less in your favor because the subsidies for ethanol are coming out of your taxes, so you're paying even more. So it, it's a fallacy that ethanol is going to be uh, the saving grace for, uh, for the gas industry or the energy industry and consumption. Take all the subsidies away and, 
And ethanol would cost you twice what it does now at the pump, if not more. And it just, I don't know, I think that's a fallacy. The E85, they say, oh, man, that's great, 85%. Yeah, you're going to pay twice as much because you're going to get half the gas mileage. I had down for my biggest taxpayer ripoff congressional salaries. <laughs> and they just raised them the other day. Yeah, there's no reason for a Congress that has such a dismal approval rating to get a raise. Yeah, but they'll tell you, well, it's been a couple of years, you know. But you guys stink. stink. Yes. You guys have got the lowest approval rating. Who the heck does a bad job and gets a raise? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Congress. (laughs) That's why they ran, I guess. (laughs) How about the biggest consumer ripoff? I think it is still ethanol, um, uh, and we'll we'll talk a little bit later on in the uh, show about tech fads and stuff like that. But I still have ethanol listed as a big consumer ripoff because not just at the pump, but uh, from your tax dollars, how much is going to ethanol and and the subsidies there, and if it was anything else that would be you know, taxpayers would start complaining about that if it was like peanuts you know um, or or tobacco you know they're they're subsidizing the corn growth and yeah it was a big corn state of course we're right here in the middle of it and and uh, you hear farmers talk about you know for years uh, like I started radio in 85, the height of the farm crisis. And they always complained about the low prices they're getting for corn, for a bushel of corn, for example. And and it was pretty low. Now it's quite high because of ethanol. Now they're complaining about how much it costs them to feed their cattle. You know, they usually feed them corn. They're complaining about how much it costs them to, to feed their cattle. But you know, watch what you ask for because you just might get it. So, but I think ethanol is still the biggest consumer ripoff. What do you think is? Health care insurance. Health care insurance. I think it's it's too high for how fast the expenses have, have grown, and they're just jacking it just to jack it. And I think they do it just because they can. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've got a little bit of a uh, a little different take on that, I guess. Okay. Because, yeah, health insurance is is high, and you know, it, in my situation, I can't get health insurance for any amount of money because I'm uninsurable, uh, just because of MS and. The drug I'm on, yeah, it, it's expensive. It's $40,000 a year. But um, there are other, there are a lot of avenues out there for people that can take advantage of to help them pay for that, like uh, National Organization for Rare Diseases, for example, in my case. They take care of a lot of it. And I talk to other people that, uh, get the drug that I'm on and uh, get it once a month in infusion and I ask them about how much 
it costs them a month for it. And one guy pays $7 a month for his deductible. You know, so there are, there are ways to pay for it or help pay for it. Yes, they are expensive. And yes, health care is expensive and drugs are expensive, but they are doing the research. And I believe that if there are people that are complaining about that and cannot afford that, there are avenues out there just on the private sector that will help them pay for that. So I have a little bit different take, I guess, than than what maybe the average consumer would. Let me share a personal story about my health insurance. Over the last five years, I've had zero claims, but my health care insurance premiums have gone up 150%. Oh, yeah. And I understand, like with home insurance, that if you have a lot of claims, you're your rates go up, or if you're sure. if you get into a car accident, your rates go up. But I haven't had a single claim on mm-hmm. anything not even a, not even a in office visit for the last five years. But my rates have gone up 150 percent. And do I have a, a choice? No, because everybody's rates have gone up. But I just think that that's wrong. And so I'll mm-hmm. put that as my biggest consumer ripoff so far, 2007. Yeah. Yeah, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. If I was in your situation, I'd be wondering the same thing, you know, because you haven't done anything to make it go up, and and yet 150%, that's that's quite a jump. In so, five years. Yeah. Yeah. How about the most disturbing news media trend or a bandwagon that the media has jumped on? Uh, talk about a huge bandwagon. I think global warming is a huge bandwagon that is disturbing because I think, well, I just have in my mind, and maybe you can relate to it too, back in the 70s, what, weren't the same scientists talking about global cooling in the ice age, the coming ice age, and yet they shift gears 180 degrees and uh, shift directions 180 degrees, and they're talking about global warming. But I think that's a huge bandwagon that is rather stupid because I don't think that it is global warming. It's it's nature, you know, and I don't think man can uh, mess with nature that much, with the exception of detonating like a dozen nuclear bombs. The other thing with global warming is that it's become big business. There are people who have jobs because of global warming. There are people that Uh have financial interests to keep global warming going. And if you you take a look at the, the, the world history and take a look at, say, weather in England or the United Kingdom in the Middle Ages, it was pretty nice. And yeah, what, and what would be wrong with that to have it for a little while again? Exactly. In addition to becoming a business, I think it's becoming a religion on some of these environmentalists, or it's becoming that, and that's a problem. I am down for the most disturbing news, media trend or bandwagons, celebrities who want to tell the little guy how to change their life. <laughs> Like Cheryl Crow and saying using only four sheets of 
toilet paper when you go to the bathroom or something? Right. We're we're in Gucci. <laughs> You know, it doesn't it doesn't fly. You know, uh, John Travolta conserve energy, and he has five yeah. jets. Now, one of those jets on his plane will probably use as much fuel as uh-huh. I would use in five to ten years of driving my car consistently. Yeah, what do they call that? A carbon footprint? Well, add Al Gore to that. Yeah, in his mansion, you know, the carbon footprint is what they say it is and how much carbon dioxide you're using and, and putting back into the air, their carbon footprint, and and that's just, yeah, that's a bad media trend. All related to global warming. <laughs> and then throw in all their crappy movies that they made that everybody tosses out the window, and hey, that's a pretty big carbon footprint. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What's the most overhyped tech fad? Well, you know, kind of like mentioning Paris Hilton about the biggest who cares story, I would be remiss if I didn't say iPhone. Really? And why? Overhyped tech fad. Uh, And this is typical of Apple, I think. You know, they have a lot of hype, but the iPhone is probably... Uh, the most hyped tech fad out there. You you can't uh, turn on your TV without seeing an iPhone commercial or read uh, the net without seeing iPhone ads and stories about the iPhone and stuff like that. Yeah, it's cool, but I think there's a lot of hype there with it. Whether or not it lives up to it, I don't know. You know, we'll have to find out, I guess. I had down Twitter. Have, oh, you, have okay. you ever seen that where people can come in and just kind of tell what they're doing and it's just this big list of, I yeah. went to the store, I went to all this? Change yeah. the name of Twitter to these four letters, W-GAS, W-G-A-S. And that stands for who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, that works well. And, you know, I, I've been on Twitter. I just looked at it, but... I looked at it like MySpace. Who cares? Right. You know. I just yeah. went. I just went to the store, and boy, traffic was bad. Who gives yeah. a shit? <laughs> I just got out of this meeting, and they served jelly donuts. Who gives a shit? That's yeah. that's what they need to do is change the name of Twitter to WGAS. Who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, the social networking sites are. Uh, incredibly boring. A lot of blogs started out that way. Incredibly, incredibly boring and talking about they went down to the store and bought this today and bought that today. Yeah. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Hey, how about the coolest thing on the web? I think that's got to be YouTube. I look at that quite a bit. There's a lot of crap on YouTube, but there's a lot of good stuff too. And I use YouTube a lot on my blog. I will link to it just because of interesting stuff. It makes video, uh, uh, short and sweet video. I mean, it's short attention span theater to the most. You know, that is it. And I think it's great viral video, and I'll talk more about that too in, in the other questions that he asked. But I think YouTube is the coolest thing on the web right now 
I'll put down Splash Cast as mine so far. Splash Cast. Right. Where you can, I am not familiar with that. Well, Splash Cast, what you can do is you can create your own television station, your own podcast station, all with Flash Media by embedding it into your web page. And I've experimented with it, and I'll be doing a couple of projects with that later on this year. But right now, for 2007, Splashcast is it. Oh, okay. I'll have to try that out. That's, uh, uh, I learned something new in talking with you. How about the most disappointing political campaign and why? I think for supporters, it's got to be John McCain. Uh, I remember when he was the media darling, you know, even a year ago. And now you don't see too much about him. He's not really the media darling as he once was. And um, I I just think the focus is not there. And if I was a McCain supporter, because everybody's thinking, okay, 2008, you know, presidencies, John McCain. You know, he's he reminds people a lot of Reagan. Well, he doesn't me except for his age, and he's no Ronald Reagan. Um, so I think the most disappointing would be how John McCain is doing now in the polls, and and he's not the favorite of the media anymore. And and uh, if I was his supporter, supporter. I would be a bit worried about that, but he has been the most disappointing. And and I would agree with that. A year ago, we were talking about John McCain. You and I were were talking Uh about uh, how he was the front runner. And he's hung himself on the Iraqi war. He's hung himself on immigration. And he's now seen as a waffler. Yes. And those three things are really bad. And once you get that label, as you know, like, John Kerry, he was a waffler. You can't shake that. I mean, that's uh, you just as well pack your bags and go home because you're not going to be able to shake that. How about the biggest political issue that none of the candidates are talking about? Uh, I think it has to do with the gas prices and why we can't meet the demand. And, and I know it's not PC to talk about building more refineries just because of this global warming fad or, you know, I think um, the gas prices need to be more front and center of the energy policy. Um, Because if you're thinking about a a good footprint and low carbon footprint, uh, as the environmentalists like to say, why aren't they talking about building nuke plants? Because what what better... um, the thing can you get right now as far as uh, being good for the environment besides nuclear power? You know, it's clean. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, three-mile island stigma with that. But uh, if they if the environmentalists want to put their money where their mouths are, they should be touting nuclear uh, generation, you know, power generation. But they're not, so I think it's uh, it's disingenuous on their part, definitely. But I think the gas prices and you know why we can't meet the demand that we seem to have uh, right now, and why aren't we building more? It's just 
because of the environmental issues and the government red tape that's keeping them down. I have down crime committed by illegal aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, uh, but, of course, you know, you got people to say, well, they're not illegal and they're not aliens. Yeah, yeah. Say, give them a different term and that'll that'll make it all better. Yeah, tell that to the victims. Yes, exactly. I was covering the Iowa Senate uh, back in the early 90s, and... I don't know if uh, there was this liberal senator from Des Moines, Elaine Simoniak. Uh, I'm sure you remember her, but it doesn't mean much to any any of your listeners. But she was she was just to the left of Stalin, basically, and she was saying that um, if we change the name of welfare we wouldn't have the stigma and that would be better for everybody. Everybody would embrace it than if we just changed the name of welfare. And she went and tried to do that. And I thought that uh, that was probably one of the dumbest things I covered when, when uh, I covered the Senate for two years. But she wanted to change the name of welfare just because the stigma that comes with it and she said with the new name change it would not have that stigma and people could be much better off i said okay elaine whatever yeah let's let's not call it stealing let's call it borrowing let's let's call it redistributing the wealth (laughs) (laughs) hey how about the hose bag of the year candidates Hose bag of the year candidate. I have two listed here, Don Imus and Al Sharpton. And they're both and connected. They're both connected, yeah. Al Sharpton for getting on that bandwagon, and he's just a hypocrite, and so is Don Imus. But I think the hose bags uh, uh, would go to both of those. I have down Harry Reid. And news editors who run Paris Hilton stories as headline news. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of people I just mentioned, too. <laughs> that's right. I just incriminated half of the news media. <laughs> yeah, and as you should, because they're thinking, oh, okay, what's going to be the lead here? Anything on Paris today? Hose bags. Yeah. You can't blame yeah. her for being the hose bag. It's the people who run the stories about the hose bag that are the true yeah. hose bags. Yeah. She does take a little bit of the blame too. She would be upset if she didn't have her face in the in the news and uh, but Well, let's make I her mad she, then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. We're we're all fine then with that. <laughs> Hey, time to find out your thoughts on 10 candidates and how do you think their chances or how do you think they're doing so far and give them a rating of, of 1 to 10. First off, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, I listed her as an 8 just because she is still the darling of the media. I think it would be a mistake personally um, to put her in the White House because it would be like, uh, electing Bill Clinton again, but well, even even worse so in my opinion. But I listed her as an eight because she gathers the attention wherever she goes, and 
and yeah, that's the media's fascination with her. But uh, I will still put her at an eight. Yeah, I think she's got a strong campaign. But if the yeah. Democrats serve her up as the candidate, they're going to have a tough run. Yeah, I I think so too. I think so too. How about John McCain? John McCain, I have listed as a four because um, if if he was in a magazine like uh, Newsweek, he would have a down arrow. Uh, it's no longer the media darling, darling like you and I talked of what he was a year ago because of the Iraq War and immigration. I just don't think um, people. Uh, including the media, are paying much attention to him as much as they were in the past, let's say, a year ago. So he's down below five. I got him listed as a four. John Edwards. I've got him as a five. Yeah, he is still considered, in my mind, a loser. Um, but and his wife is involved in the campaign. And I think that cuts cuts both ways uh, as far as uh, initially when he said he would uh, continue campaigning even though his wife has got a recurrence of breast cancer, I just thought that didn't say much about John Edwards because he's putting a campaign over his uh, wife and family. And I think the priority should be wife and family um, over anything else. I, I just feel that way. And here recently uh, with the dust-up, uh, with the flap with Ann Coulter and, and his wife calling in hardball and talking about that, that's just, I didn't think that that helped the Edwards campaign at all. They probably feel just the opposite, but I don't think that helped John Edwards' campaign at all. And and I just have him listed as a five. The thing I find interesting about the Edwards and the Coulter deal is how much cash they've raised because yes. of that. And it's like, okay, there's an opportunist that said, hey, uh-huh. somebody's talking bad about us, let's uh, let's plead for more money as kind of the anti-Coulter donation, and that just just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, you know, uh, if you look at it, Ann Coulter, is prob- Ann Coulter is probably considered a very good friend of John Edwards because he's raising all kinds of cash just because of her name. How about Rudy Giuliani? I give him a five, too. He's not as as tough as he started out as, as he started out in the campaign. I thought he was going to be a lot tougher than what he did. But um, I think his problem is uh, the abortion issue. Um, he He's pro-life. And I think that's a problem because I think most of the country is not. Um, he, yeah, years ago, uh, the Clinton said we're going to make abortion accessible but rare. Yeah, yeah, n- no, not really. Um, what, what about his you know, baggage? He he seems to be having this baggage, and we're hearing 
rustling around the New York area about all of his baggage. What do you think is going to come out? Uh, I think it's going to come out that uh, how he treated his wife at the time. That's the baggage that he's got, and he was um, the governor of New York, and and I think I'm not sure, but I think his mistress was living in the the governor's mansion or something like that. But I think that has a lot. Uh, that's going to kill him uh, with the with the majority of the people because they they want to put family and they put a lot of stake in family and good family credentials and ties and and I think that and the abortion issue is going to kill Giuliani uh, above anything else and I don't think his actions uh, in the wake of or, you know of 9-11, which I thought were fantastic, will be enough to carry him through. No, he, he's kind of rode that horse as far as it will take him. Yeah, I, I do too. And and after after that, I thought, man, he would be a great president. But uh, now I don't think so, just because of all the baggage that he, that he has and how he, he runs his home life and and how he had in the past. He was great on 9-11. I think he was the best person that uh, we, any New York voters could have had in there as governor at the time, just because I think his actions were fantastic, but not enough to carry him into the presidency. And thank God the terrorists hit New York and not New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, New Orleans is a cluster, if, and it still is. And, and You know, I haven't been down there since, but I don't have any desire to go down there. How about Barack Obama? Barack Obama, I got him listed as a six. Uh, I think his luster is, is starting to come off of that uh, presidential campaign. Uh, he's still a darling to the media, but I don't think not as much as he was six months ago. Yeah, he has a hard time one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, and that would kill him. That would kill him. Yeah, I just don't think he has the fortitude or the the uh, what what is needed to become president. Uh, he's probably too shallow. In my mind, if you're looking at the at the media stories and stuff, they're a bit shallow, and you can't have anybody that shallow running for president. How about Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney, I've got him as an eight, just because he has good organization. He gets a lot of good press here in Iowa, as you know. He's he's still sticking with the Ames straw poll and and. You know, that's a lot of inside baseball stories, but he has a lot of good organization here, and that helps him. So I have him listed as an eight, but there was a story that came out um, today as as we're doing this interview that uh, he talked about his family vacation 20 years ago when he strapped a dog carrier on top of his SUV and put his family dog in there for a trip from uh, Boston or something up into Canada, and that won't sit too well. 
So let me get this straight. You have nine kids that you're taking on vacation, and you can't leave the dog at home. <laughs> can't afford to, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think the Romneys could afford to. I think they were a fairly rich family from, from day one. So they couldn't yes. pay, like, the neighbor kid 10 bucks to take care of uh, Muffin or whoever the dog's uh, name was and just say, hey, you know, I know. We'll torture the dog by putting it on top of the car and letting it ride in the wind on the interstate. 10 hours or so or whatever, how long ever it was, you know. <laughs> yeah, they could they could fly somebody up from Guatemala if they wanted to to be a housekeeper for a week. Well, just tell them don't do that with Air Force One. Yeah, yeah, and like you mentioned before, the what comes to mind is National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about... Bill Richardson. Yeah, Bill Richardson. I here's what I have listed. I have four, and comma uh, four, four. Yeah, I maybe think that's I think good. that's really optimistic. Yeah, and but after the four, I have comma. He's a hick. <laughs> <laughs> and let's and, let's hope nobody sees him on reruns of Meet the Press. Yeah, yeah. But he, I got him before just because he's in. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it's a bit optimistic there, but he won't go very far. Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson, I've got him as a nine. He's the highest one on my list and dominating in the polls now. And he's not even an official candidate. But uh, I think once he does announce, and he's supposed to do that next week, I think, uh, from Nashville. But once he does announce, he's going to be the uh, 800-pound gorilla in the race. How about another 800-pound gorilla, Al Gore? (laughs) Gore's a four, like Richardson. Uh, you know, there and there was a recent poll out from New Hampshire uh, talking about the Democrats. He's the number one as far as if you ask Democrats who they want to run and who they vote for president, Gore's number one. And that's odd to me, but um, he's a four. I think the luster would be taken off of him real quick and besides i don't think he wants to run i think he enjoys being the uh environmentalist kingpin out there yeah he's got a good business going why screw it up yeah i don't think he'll run just because a he he lost and i can't imagine what that does to your psyche but in addition to that he likes being where he's at and he's filmmaker and environmentalist darling and stuff and why give that up and like you said he's got a good business that way final candidate mayor bloomberg mayor bloomberg i think he he's the lowest one that i rated at a three he would be uh yeah he defected from the gop here recently and went independent, but so what? He was a Democrat anyhow. He was a Democrat for years, 
before he switched to the GOP. And if you look at his policies and what he does, he's a liberal Democrat. And I don't think he's a very successful businessman. And that plays well with uh, conservative Republicans. But even so, um, I don't think he's he has staying power at all. Now, Bloomberg why. does nothing for me. Yeah, I don't. He, I don't get excited at all when they say, "Hey, Bloomberg is like, oh, okay, no. another guy from the Northeast. Who cares?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and yeah, like you mentioned, he's not excitable, and uh, he won't do that for the voters. So I got him listed as the lowest as at a three. Vern, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you can ask me three questions about anything, so fire away. Okay. I know, and you and I are both the same way when it comes to this. We're, we're kind of techies. Are you going to get an iPhone? No. I don't even have a cell phone. Mm. That might surprise you. I don't even have a cell that phone. Does. Because I hate it. That does surprise me. Yeah. I, I hate cell phones. Um, when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll buy a track phone and just charge it up and uh-huh. do the minutes and then it sits in the drawer. But as far as cell phones go, I'm surprised I'm still alive after all the drivers who drive around with the phones. And the other thing, the new low for cell phones for me was two days ago, I went grocery shopping and I was stuck in front of this lady because of the aisles. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people are there. I was stuck in front of somebody because she was grocery shopping and getting her list by somebody else on the other end of the line. Yeah. So they were, yeah. so she's going, do you want the mayonnaise with the light? Do you want the mayonnaise with, you know, what kind? And it's like, you know, who, who the heck gets on the cell phone and then chops the whole store by the cell phone? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So so that's my <laughs> cell phone pet peeve for today. What's question number two? Question number two. What do you think of the Iowa caucus status, given the abandonment of the straw poll coming up before the Iowa caucuses? That's big here in Iowa, but what do you think of the status of the Iowa caucuses now that people seem to be, okay, abandoning the lead-up to it? I think the Iowa caucus has run its course the same way as the horse and buggy. That mm-hmm. that's what people used to do in old political times. It was they did the Iowa caucus and the straw poll, and we're living in a technology age. We're starting where these campaigns are starting a year ahead of time, and the straw polls are done every day on the internet. The Iowa caucus has no relevance anymore, not yeah. like it used to. I- I I agree that it was big. What uh, Carter made it big in '76, and um, you know I think it will eventually go the way of yeah, like you said, the horse and buggy. I don't think the prominence is is there anymore. How about question number three? How do you think the reporters in Iowa are covering the race so far? Boy, I see a lot of crappy. Writing, I see a lot of bad headlines, and I just see a lot of softball questions, and it's it's really a bunch of who cares. Mm-hmm. How about you? 
I agree. I think there's too many horse race stories out there. Like who's leading this week and you know Yeah, what what ice cream did they eat? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. A lot of big who cares stories and you know, you and I both being here in Iowa we we get that every day and you know, not as much as somebody in in like New Hampshire or uh, Washington State or California, but uh, I agree. There's a lot of who cares stories out there. And I think that comes from a lot of these reporters, especially in the smaller towns, of just being starstruck and just being hit by the entourage and the political campaigns and everything. And by the time they get up to bat, they just choke. They won't ask the candidates serious questions about gas prices, about congressional mm-hmm. salaries, about lobby reform, about health care, any of that stuff. And it's like, I don't care about what's his favorite ice cream. Quit asking that, dummies. Yeah, yeah. And if if they do their stories, I find a lot of, oh, man, that's got to be a verbatim from the press release the campaign sent them. Yeah. So oh, somebody yeah. either intimidated you or you are trying to play nice and I can see it, you know, and and um, you can see it too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm I, always interested to see if the public can see it as well as you and I, because we know what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, geez, it's got to be obvious, but maybe not. You know, maybe it, maybe it's not as obvious to uh, you and I look at media differently. We listen to media differently, and and you think, boy, it's obvious that this guy is is reading from a press release. You know, for example, um, you know, I I would like to think that it's kind of obvious to the public too, and. Probably when it boils down to brass tanks, it is. Bird, do you want to talk about your blog and how people can visit your website? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, go to vernbeachy.com. That's V-E-R-N-B-E-A-C-H-Y.com, and I've got a link to my blog, and and I update it quite frequently uh, every day. Several times a day, I think I gotta. Uh, if you can't get to it, there's a place you can subscribe to a, a newsletter or a feed uh, that just gives it to your email uh, inbox every day if you want. And I update that quite a bit and surf the the web quite a bit because uh, yeah, I am still disabled and and I have a lot of time on my hands, I guess and. Uh, but I like writing and and working on a book right now, and just because of things that have happened to me in in the past, and that's all outlined on on my website. Uh, I guess I'm an open book, and that would bother some people. I I think it would bother my parents because <laughs> you do a Google search on my name, and it comes up a lot of hits and stuff, and that would probably drive them crazy, you know, as far as wanted to be more private but you know it's an open book i pull no punches and and you can learn a lot about me just by visiting my website or reading my blog probably more than you would ever want to know but uh talk about a lot of things and a lot of different things and, and just stuff that trips my trigger i guess 
Vern, thank you so much for being our guest once again on You Are the Guest. It's a pleasure, Bill. Thanks a lot. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Remember that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcasts. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.